Well, good morning. It's so good to be here. And uh, I think we were here in last July, and, and so it's great to be back. And uh, how you guys do? Excuse me. How you guys doing? Good. Such a good morning. Uh, it's great to be here. I went to my first professional, I almost said soccer, football game yesterday. And uh, it, was, it was a, I loved it. It was fantastic. I think, I don't, I could say like I think I'm a Bolton fan. But here's the thing, like I had no idea, I don't even know how you guys do this. You have multiple sports teams, like in one area. Like I actually think this, this is the defining point that says that the UK is more civilized than the US. Like, like if we had more than one professional team in a city, I believe that, that fans would begin the process to secede their neighborhood from the city so they could rename it another name. So I, I believe you're better people than us. So, so cheers. Good to be here. All right. Um, yes, we are. We've been in Mexico for 30 years, and um, it's actually 30 years, uh, I think, last month. And we have began the journey. If, how many of you guys were here last time we, we explained what we were doing in, okay, about half of us. Um, we've been in Mexico for 30 years. We began as an orphanage about three years ago. The Lord started speaking to us about continents. Um, and specifically, after about six months of praying, he highlighted Europe specifically to us. And uh, that his eyes were fixed on Europe and he was flooding it with his presence and that we were to be part of that. And, um, and honestly, who wouldn't want to be part of that? And so we um, prayed for a long time about where we were supposed to go, and, and we got nothing. And uh, so we ended up buying tickets, and we flew to Moldova. We toured Moldova for a week and found all kinds of need there. And, and we ended up driving a friend back to our home in Romania. And uh, when we drove across the border, the Lord said specifically, this is it. And uh, through a wild series of events, we landed on a particular city in Sigishora, Romania, and uh, where, we, where we'll share a little bit more at the, at the end of this, um, that we've actually purchased the building, or we've entered into a purchase agreement. We actually haven't paid for the whole building. But we are in the building. Um, we were there this last two weeks um, where we've been renovating one of the smaller buildings into housing for our staff. We've moved 10 of our team there. And uh, in a really, really, we were planning on getting going and, and beginning family care and daycare for children in the, in the city in January 1st. And um, an amazing testimony where the, the city actually called us and said they heard who we were, they looked at what we'd been doing in Mexico, and would you please come and open up family care centers in every public school in the city? And, and that they knew that we were believers and that they would remove all religious restriction. Yes. And so... so. We, um, we've been praying for open doors and invitations, and, and that was a really significant invitation. And so we began, four weeks ago, we began a family care and after-school program, and uh, we were supposed to cap it at 50 students for the, until the beginning of the year when we could get into our own building. I was there on Thursday, and um, I think it's growing. There were 67 of them. I'm not sure how that's actually happening. <laughs> but it is growing. So we're really excited about what's happening and going on over there. And, um, and we'll share a little bit more about that at the end. Um, I wanted to talk just about, um, about a lifestyle of Jesus, but actually responding to need in the way that Jesus responded to need. And um, 
when I was 11 years old, when we moved to Mexico, and my parents moved from, from California to Mexico with a very, very clear word. The Lord told them to move to Mexico and take care of abused and abandoned children. And um, they got down there. It was, it was quite a journey, and a year and a half before they, they actually got a facility, and we had our first kids in there. But about a year and a half in, I was sitting in a family room. We did it every morning with my dad. It was all the orphanage kids and myself and my sister, and we would sit there, and my dad would do devotions with us. He read, uh, he, he would literally read a chapter of the Bible, and, and then he would talk to us for a few minutes, and he'd pray. And honestly, it was really boring. I mean, it was... There was, there was, my dad had like no children's church in him at all, but, but, but we did it. We'd sit there, he'd read, he'd read a chapter and, and talk to us. And uh, he got to Matthew 28 one morning, he's reading, going to all the world, and he started cracking up laughing, and all of us kids are looking at each other like, it's not funny. And, um, and he goes, no, 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 it's not funny, guys. It's just that, it's just that the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, like, like he told me to come here and, you know, there was 40 of us kids, and he's like, and, and, and you're all here, and your, your lives have been completely transformed by the unconditional love of God, and now we got to get what's happened in you out there. And, um, and my dad was a big planner, and so he took the next two hours to teach us how to share our personal testimony. And um, at the end of that two hours, he took about 15 of us, and he stuck us into this little bus, and he drove us to the other side of Tijuana, down to the very bottom of the Tijuana dump. It was the, it was the poorest area of our city. Um, they, it was the poor of the poor actually lived inside of the dump. They built their homes there. Um, they worked there. They had little stores there. It was, this was just their own personal world. And, uh, and the 15 of us, I, I was actually one of the oldest ones at age 12. Everybody else was 7, 8, 9, 10. And my dad literally, it was just us, 15 of us kids, and my dad, he got there, he opened the bus doors, and he's like, look, you got to go in groups of two or three, do not go by yourself, because your mom will kill me. And, um, and, then, and then he literally just opened the bus doors, and he was like, go get them. And we all looked at each other, and was like, go get them, like who, like all those people? Like, I was the shyest guy on the planet, I couldn't speak to anybody that I didn't know, and, and so it was me and who, a guy who became my brother, Pablo, and, and we went together, and, and we would go, and I would just stand there, I, and he would stand there too, because he was younger and more scared than I was, and so we would just stand there, and I would just like kick the dirt until they started asking me, like, are you lost? <laughs> I'd be like, no, no, I'm not lost, and eventually we would get to, it was wild, it was like, I would get to, it, the only thing I could actually say was like, I know Jesus, and I'm alive. That was about all I had. And, um, I don't have any memories without Jesus, and that was, that was the extent of what I knew. And, and, but I'm in love with Jesus. And, and we actually got to the point where, where they would actually ask us, did you want to pray with us? And I was like, yes, I do. That's what, I think that's the point. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, we did that a couple times, and then, and then people started actually like, surrendering their lives to Jesus with a bunch of kids out there, and like all over the dump, all of these there was something unique and special for a little kid. You're like, I just led an adult to the Lord. It's like two points. Like one point if you lead a kid, two points if you lead an adult. And so now we're, now we're all going back to the bus, and we're super stoked. Now, now everything changed because I'm moving away from the people. I'm like, that was amazing. I'm like the next Billy Graham of Mexico. And, um, and we get onto the bus, and we're all super excited and celebrating. And, and my dad starts to drive away. And we start driving up the hill out of the dump. And I remember my dad stopping the bus. I remember the sound of the air brakes going on. And um, he turned around. And when he turned around, all of us kids turned around. And we looked back at the dump and the people. 
And um, it, was, it was like Holy Spirit just invaded that bus. And I remember my dad saying the words, now what? And it was just this incredibly so, incredible sobering moment with him where we perceived need. And, and it was it actually in that moment where, where everything had begun with a word of move to Mexico, take care of abusing abandoned children. It was in a moment where we saw a need that, that everything exploded, and it became so much more. And that was our very first church plant. We actually planted and built a church inside of the Tijuana dump, and then we realized that there was no school for the poor kids of the city at the time in the, in the dump, and it became our very first elementary school. And where, where, so much, where so much of everything that we did began with a word, so much of our growth has, has become simply by seeing need, simply by having need highlighted to us through Holy Spirit. You guys okay? Good. Go ahead and open your Bibles up to Matthew 14. I'm going to read a really familiar scripture and just try and pull, pull one thing out of it. Matthew 14, this is Jesus, and a uh, little background. He just, he just learned that John the Baptist had been murdered, and he's actually trying to get away from the crowds to grieve the loss of a family member, to, to grieve the loss of a, a great man. Uh, so entering in at verse 13, and it says, And when Jesus heard it, that he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities, and when Jesus went out, he saw, everybody say saw. I said saw, you said saw. That's good. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. The word saw in there doesn't mean that Jesus actually turned and he saw the multitude with his naked eye, but it actually, in the Greek, it, in my best Greek pronunciation, it's the word edo. And it means that he perceived or became aware of the people's need. And so Jesus is, is actually trying to get away from the crowds so that he can grieve the loss of his cousin. And, and when he turns and he perceives or become aware of the people's need, he actually redirects what he's doing and moves towards them and actually becomes the solution to their problem. And then we find out that, that in the very next section that the disciples come to Jesus in verse 15 and they say, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. Verse 16, but Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And I'm going to stop and just, and just believe that the majority of us know that, that the disciples go into a discourse about, like, that's impossible. And even if we had, even if there was a place to buy food, that would be way too much money for us to buy that much food. And, and uh, Jesus, they say it's impossible. And Jesus says, I'm in the business of impossible. And he multiplies the food for 15,000 people. Here's, what I, here's all I want to get to in this. And that is this, is, is that when Jesus perceived or became aware of people's need, he actually shifted the course of his day and became the solution to their need. When the disciples came with a legitimate, a legitimate need in the natural for 15,000 people, Jesus' response was simply, they don't need to go away, you be the solution. And there's, a, there's, a, there's an interesting thing that, 
we spend, we spend a significant amount of time waiting for the big booming voice. The big booming voice of the Lord. Man, if, if the Lord would just call me to the nations, if the, if the Lord would just call me uh, into the ministry, if the Lord would just call me to really, you know, to pray for that person, if the Lord would just call me to pick up that piece of trash on the ground, like if he would just tell me to do it, I'd do it. But we're waiting for that, that big booming voice. And, and it's fascinating to me. I've always, I've always had this. Um, when you look at Jesus' communication with the Father, and you really look at it, you, you realize that like, there's, only, there's only two, maybe three times that, that the Lord audibly speaks to his Son. And he doesn't tell him what to do, but he tells him who he is. And yet we long, like we sit here and we long, Lord, just tell me what to do. Like, why, why can't you just have the heavens crack open and, like, tell me to pray for that person? Because that would just be fantastic. It actually would. Yet Jesus actually models a life that he, when he was going about his life, that the Spirit of God inside of him would highlight a need to him, and he would shift the course of his life to become the solution. Yeah, we have this, this somewhat, this perception that, that Jesus had a different line of communication with the Father than you and I have. And so we're, we, we struggle, I don't want to say we, I struggle at times with going like, Lord, I'm, I'm not positive that that's you. I'm not positive that you're leading me in that direction. I'm not positive because, I didn't, because the heavens didn't crack open and a dove didn't descend on me and say, move to Romania. Or any of, of the other simple things that he asked us to do. And yet we look at Jesus' life and go, like, he actually lived a life and communicated with the Father with the same limitations that everyone in this room has. You guys okay? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I think when, when I read this scripture, I really just, I hear a, um, just a real resounding theme in my own life of, or there was a great shift in my life um, through some of these scriptures that just took me to a place of real, real ownership and responsibility for the things that the Lord has highlighted to me. I, I, years ago, I was driving through our city in Tijuana, and, and our city, it's not hard to find need in our city. It's, it's a city of three million. It's incredibly impoverished. And, um, and we were driving, I was driving through the city just praying for it. And my, my resounding prayer, like, throughout this, this drive was, like, God, just give us this city. We want, to, we want to see our city saved. Like, give us the city. And, and after a significant amount of time praying, like, an hour driving around, the Lord um, had this encounter with the Lord. And he said, Jimmy, I'll, I'll give you the city. And I got super excited, like, yes. Like, who, who wouldn't be? And, it was, and I realized that, that, like, as soon as he said, I'll give you the city, I got really excited. And I actually turned the car around and started driving home. And I actually kind of stopped praying and started imagining, like, what it was going to look like. And I started, and I, as I was driving home, I started realizing, like, what is this going to look like? You know, is this going to be amazing? Like, what, you know, is it going to happen before I get home? <laughs> you know, what, what, exactly what does this mean? And so, like, I'm driving home, and, and, and there was, there was this, this idea in me that, like, this is amazing, like, like, I've been praying, and, and that was breakthrough, and now God's magically going to save the city. And, um, and I was driving home, and then the Lord said, the Lord told me, he's like, Jimmy, I'll give you the city, but you, you're going to have to take it the way that it is. You're going to have to take ownership and responsibility for the things in the city that are good and not good. 
And I started realizing after that conversation that there was, there was stuff happening in the city that I, that I, that I, w- that I was, would easily point my finger at in judgment, but I wouldn't necessarily take ownership of it that it was taking place in my city. And we love to take ownership and responsibility of the things that are going well in our lives. Like, that's just easy. I have four beautiful daughters, and, and my youngest daughter, when she was um, from a really young age, like, we realized, like, that she was gifted. We're just trying to figure out how it's going to benefit humanity. She can go into any room. She could come into this room in a matter of, like, 30, 40 seconds, completely destroy it. It's, it's seriously, and, and so it's been a challenge, like especially our house, her room, and, and, um, and so we do the whole thing, you know, her, her, the, Stevie, this is your room, you know, this is your stuff, and so you need to take ownership and responsibility, take care of it, clean it, do all these things, and so her room's right next to ours, and I come home from work, and I, this one day I stick my head in the room, and, um, and she's sitting on the floor in the room, I think she's coloring, and the room is immaculate, and it's so clean, and, and I'm like, Stevie, good job, thumbs up. And she actually stands up in the room and is like, Dad, Dad, I came home from school. I did my homework. I cleaned the room. She actually goes over and opens the closet doors because normally she just crams everything in there. And everything's folded. And she's like, look at this. She's like, I did this. So like, hey, good job. Excellent. I'm not kidding you. The next day I come home, I come home and I'm walking. It's like the same house, same hallway, same door. And I stick my head in and, and, and it's just, it's like a bomb went off. I actually had to like climb up because she, I think she multiplied her possessions. I'm not sure. And so I like climb up into the room. She's still in there. And I'm like, Stevie, like what happened? And she, same thing. She stands up. Only this time it's not I did. It's like, Dad, my cousins came over. And they just like, they did this, and they just left. <laughs> and it's just, it's just this overwhelming reality in us that we love to take ownership and responsibility for the things that are going really well. And the Lord is calling us, like, if you want to see cities saved and nations transformed, if you want to see your family saved and a family transformed, you need to be able to take ownership and responsibility for everything that's happening in the land that he's given you. So <clears throat> I'm just looking at the clock now. We, um, we, uh, I think I shared this last time I was here just briefly, but it was a testimony that just has, has it's genuinely impacted us and um, a phrase that was in it. We had a girl that was eight years old in our family care center in Mexico, and uh, her dad came to church on a Sunday morning, and um, I met him in church, and he came to, he said he, he'd never been in church before, but he came to see what we'd been doing to his daughter, and, and, uh, and so he started explaining that he had a rotten tooth, and and um, he couldn't afford to go to the dentist, and he was complaining to his daughter on the Saturday the day before. And his little girl, who's eight years old, said from the kitchen table, said, hey, Dad, I can take care of that. And I, and I asked him what was going on, and, and it ends up that she stood up, and the dad ignored her, but she stood up, got her little brother, who was like five years old, went over to her dad, turned him around, pulled him down on his knees, put her hand on his face, and said, Jesus fixed his tooth, and he was completely healed. There's this little girl, eight years old, that looks at her dad and just goes, hey, dad, I can take care of that. Like, this is, this is, this is 
This is missions. This is taking ownership and responsibility for a problem that you didn't create. Like if there was ever a time for a child to go after the parents, it would be like, Dad, you really should have brushed better. Listen, like we are, um, we're, we're, we are an incredibly gifted people because when the moment you said yes to Jesus, the same spirit that raised him from the dead came and inhabited you, took up residence within you. And he's given you eyes to see and ears to hear. And, and um, you see things unlike the world sees things. And sometimes when we don't recognize it, it moves us into, we don't recognize that we're seeing like Jesus saw, like we're seeing need, we're perceiving need, we're understanding that like this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Like when we don't understand that that's the spirit of the Lord actually directing us towards it. If we don't understand that, we simply become a people of judgment and they go, oh, that's wrong. Oh, that's wrong. Where Jesus didn't highlight things with a finger, he actually, he actually redirected the course of his day and said, like, listen, I perceive your need. I've become aware of your need, and I'm actually here to bring healing. I'm actually here to bring life. I'm actually here to right what was wrong in this situation. Listen, if, you, if, if we really, really, really want to, to follow Jesus, if we're really living the lifestyle of Jesus, we would only have one response to Edo or, or becoming aware of need in our city, and that would simply be moving towards it. Maybe not full of faith, like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what to do when I get there. But if you just, if you just start moving towards the need that he's highlighted to you, he'll show up, and amazing things will happen. So I want, I want to pray really quick, and then we have a video to show you, and, uh, and then we're going to talk just about, about really us making this our home in the UK. <laughs> so so uh, let me pray with you guys, and then we'll play the video right when, when we're done praying. So Father, we just love you, God. We just thank you, Lord, that, that you are speaking to us constantly. Father, I just pray that, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and you would give us the courage and the understanding, Lord, that... That, that is, as we see need in our city, as we see need in our families, it's not so that we can point out the failures of our city, but it's so that we would know that we would have direction on where we're to be moving. And Father, I just pray that there would just be a, it'd be a deposit of courage in each one of us to move towards those, those needs that you've highlighted that seem way beyond us. And God, I just, I just pray that there would be enough faith for every step to move towards it. And God, I pray that, that you would show up, that you would be there at the end, and that your kingdom would come at that point. Yes, Lord. God, we just thank you for this family. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.